You're listening to a Crossroads original podcast. External validation feels really good. You cannot build your life and career on it. You have to know within yourself who you are, what you're about, what your value is. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number 44. Well, welcome back, friends, to See, Here Love and to our last episode of our four-part special SOS Summer of Strength series, where we feature four outstanding women who embody courage, faith, resilience, and expertise in leadership, health, and well-being, soul care, and journeying through grief and loss. And our hope is that our stories and our conversations will and have strengthened you, encouraged you, and inspired you, our listeners, to live authentically to live courageously, and to live a life of joy and possibility. And today, I am so excited because we end our series with this like big, I almost going to say big bang, but like with like one of my favorite people in the world is my very good friend, Anne-Marie Meadowake. And I'm so glad, Anne-Marie, that you're here to end off our, our amazing series on strengthening our viewers and listeners in areas of their life that we've heard from over the years that they need help with. So I'm so glad you're here. Thanks. And before I'm happy we, to be here too. I know. I love it. And before we get going, I just need to gush about you. Now, it's interesting <laughs> when you know somebody for so long like we've done. I think I've said I've known you for 20 plus years, 25 yeah. years. And I'm looking at your bio. And what's so upsetting to me was I didn't know some of this stuff. I was like, that's because we talk about other things, I not know, work all the time. But it's so great. So I get to gush and you can't do anything. <laughs> you can't shut me up. <laughs> I can just gush, gush, gush and talk about you. Okay. So for those who don't know Emery, she's an accomplished journalist, an acclaimed broadcaster, and is currently the host of CTV Your Morning Show, who brings more than two decades of news and current affairs experience back home to CTV, where she began her network career as the host of the Gemini Award-winning investigative program 21C, and reporter for CTV National News. Previously, Anne-Marie, uh, the 2015 Canadian Screen Award SCSA winner, I didn't even know that, for Best Local Newscast, and six-time CSA nominee, was the highly respected co-anchor of CBC Toronto News and Global News Toronto. And during her expansive career, the Alberta Raised, that's important, Anne-Marie, <laughs> Alberta yes, Raised, has provided award-winning coverage of some of Canada and the world's biggest news stories, including the 2014 Ottawa terror attacks and the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing. She has also co-anchored municipal, provincial, and federal elections, reported from London during the Royal Wedding and Queen's Jubilee, and hosted a documentary from her native Sri Lanka on the 2004 South Asian tsunami. And this May, she reported from London during King Charles' coronation. She's a mother of triplets and wife to my husband's good friend, Daryl. Oh, and she's a passionate <laughs> advocate for women and children's issues, which saw her name Toronto Woman of the Year 2011. Amory, did I miss anything? Hi. Did I miss anything? <laughs> what else can I put on the list of things that you've done? That I really like a uh, good plate of fries, truffle fries. <laughs> That's not on there. Hold on, I'm writing that down. And a good plate of fries. I'm going to add. And I really like to label and organize things. Perfect. I'm going to add that to your bio that Thank I will you. send to you so that your, it's missing. your comms team can add that at the, at the very end. <laughs> 
it's really good to have you on the show. And so I thought Emory was a perfect way to end our SOS series by interviewing someone in the media broadcast industry. It's the work I do here at Crossroads, but learn from you as you lead in this industry and lead as a woman as you create content, interview guests, and write and speak. You know, there's so much that we and I can learn from you. So I'm, I'm, it's maybe it's selfish that I'm ending this series with you. <laughs> so we oh, can... it works the same way for me. I learn a lot from you too. So it'll be good for both of us. This is so great. Okay. So let's start off because people are probably wondering how was reporting on King Charles coronation? What was that like? Just well, recently. you know what? It kind of, yeah, it, it sort of felt like a nice summary because I have done, uh, this is like my fifth royal events. I've done weddings and wow. Jubilee and I did the Queen's funeral, which was very moving uh, and really felt, you know, like a big part of history. And then to do the coronation of King Charles sort of just felt like the end chapter of, of that era. I mean, no, we've all seen weddings, so people can relate to a wedding and funerals, but no, we've never seen a coronation, mm-hmm. at least, you know, nobody in my age group or younger. So that was pretty special and and you know when you're doing it live you're there absorbing it and you're thinking and you're working and then when i watch the footage back that was really cool that was very special lots of symbolism lots of meaning and then also just to be part of this world event with the people i always love being with people and feeling and seeing their reaction and so bringing that to canada because you know i remember watching canada am with valerie pringle and she would do events like this and i would i'd wake up early and i'd watch these royal events and she always made me feel like i was there Mm -hmm. so i always thought it'd be cool if i could do that for other people and I was watching like your stories on, you know, Instagram and you're all about the people like you would be walking, you would stop and do little interviews, you'd feature all these like little cool areas in London and the area, you know, and where you were, which I loved. I think yeah. it, it's great that you bring that part of sort of the personal connection in the work that you do as well. Right. So you're you're, you're reporting, but then you're also yeah. hanging out with the people getting kind of what's on well, the street, you know? People are the best way to understand the story. They're the best way to get, I mean, I can stand and tell people things, but, you know, when somebody's sharing what their personal feelings are about monarchy or the king or, you know, you know, London's in a cost of living crisis, is the monarchy still relevant? That's best said through them. So I love bringing those wishes. So good. All right. I know that our viewers and listeners always like, especially if somebody's in media and in where you are, because you have access to a lot of people and experiences. Uh-huh. Amory, favorite or most compelling story that you've covered as a reporter journalist? That's a big, mm-hmm. uh, that's a big question now because there's, you know, there's events like, you know, weddings, for example, which are very exciting yeah. for people. Yep. You know, you mentioned going and covering the tsunami back in 2004. It's going to be 20 years next December. I can't believe Isn't that. Isn't that wild? But I went back and did that documentary with my dad who was raised in Sri Lanka. And that was very meaningful because... You know, when he lived there, the north was still open and then the war happened and it was closed off. So he hadn't been back up north to the northern part of the country. Um, You know, in that documentary, we also did a sit down with um, one of the heads of the Tamil Tigers uh, who has since been assassinated. Mm. And uh, it was a very, you know, there were three Western journalists who were given that interview. There was myself, Adrian Arsenal from CBC and Summer from BBC. That was it. And you're sitting there and you have... And you're in a courtyard and everybody surrounding you has guns strapped to their body. They're listening. He's using an interpreter. I know that he understands and speaks English fluently. It is a bit of a power dynamic. Mm-hmm. But just to be able to have access to that piece of the story to people was an incredible experience. Um, and then, you know, I talk to a lot of people every day. I probably do five or six interviews every day. But it's, Mel, it's, it's always emotion. It's people mm-hmm. who feel things and see things and experience things that, you know, I won't like there's I think about one family who their children have this really rare 
um, eyesight disorder where they'll go blind. So they took their kids out of school and they are taking them around the world to give them as many visual experiences as they can before their eyesight goes. Oh, and it's meeting people like that that just leave a mark on you, give you perspective on your own life and remind people that, you know, there are other things happening in the world outside of politics, outside of the economy that have to do with real heart, family, emotional issues. Mm -hmm. So I, I always like those. Any kind of emotion in an interview, I always like. Happy, sad, mad, all of it. I can be emotional during this interview if you would like. Okay. <laughs> so, I yes, be one, so I can be one of your Don't favorites. Pick all of the other emotions. <laughs> just not mad. Okay, I'll be very emotional. Um, on that, because you did mention that story of the family, but your favorite guest, maybe singular guest interview and why? Like a person and why? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, or you could do one or two. See. Yeah, I, you know, again, it's people who who have experiences. So I like to talk to other journalists because I know that they get um, amazing experiences. Melissa Fung is one who I think of. She was a Canadian broadcast journalist. She was kidnapped by the Taliban. Sure. Um, she has stayed in journalism. She has made it her passion and her mission to bring stories. For example, her latest book is about um, the young girls from Boko Haram who were taken. And when they are returned to their villages, they are sometimes ostracized. They are not welcome back because they had been forced to be wives to these soldiers. And, you know, I think about the stories of women in Afghanistan, young girls in Afghanistan, who a year ago, a year and a half ago, were going to school, living their life, and now having completely different circumstances and what life is like for them. So those kinds of interviews, you know, those are heavy political sort of interviews, mm -hmm. but I really like those because I think it's important for people to know what else is happening in the world. It's good. Amory, did you always want to be a journalist? Like, was there always that part of storytelling and and curiosity that... Uh, you know, that you had when you were young? Like, I mean, everybody's like, yes. well, everybody can kind of be a storyteller. I'm like, no, not really. I mean, everybody has a story. Sometimes they don't tell it well, but there's something in you as you share this. There's this kind of emotional connection to people and emotion yeah. and story. Has that always been? I'm just you? very curious. Mm -hmm. And I have been my entire life. I like researching. I like facts. I like little stories. I like knowing how they make me feel. I like sharing that information with people. Um, I used to, my <laughs> My nickname at my summer Bible Bible camp was Multi Marie because I talked a lot, and so oh, now no, I get you should have that. told me that because now that I might know. go on and some text thread, <laughs> right? So I uh, I've always really liked asking questions, mm. and it's, I you know I've, I've said this to my co-host as well. Don't you feel so lucky every day? Things that we're interested in, things that we worry about, we get to find the experts and ask the questions and get the answers. I feel very fortunate every day that that is my job. <laughs> I know. It, it is. You know what? There are moments. I remember like even when I'm in the studio and I actually have to take a pause and moment because I can't believe this is my job. Uh, yeah. To actually sit and listen to stories of people or to ask hard questions or to learn from experts. Like I have had probably more psychotherapy done, free no. psychotherapy done on me yeah. uh, and my panelists because of our guests coming in than in my lifetime and it's been so helpful in my life because I'm learning all of these new things yeah. things I didn't know aha moments so it is a yeah. real privilege well that happens with my kids uh, my kids hate my job sometimes because you know will you know when they want to have phones or they want access to whatever I'm like well you know this expert says such and such and such and such and so I remember my son one time said to me he's like oh I hate your job because <laughs> he's like you know, his, his whole thing is prove it and I would come with all these stats and facts about you know mm -hmm. how much screen time is good and how much is bad and Anyway, I also like to gain information from experts on the show. Do you think, like, for young people listening, like, 
is curiosity something that you that you have naturally or is it something that you can actually um, lean into and and work at? Because I think curiosity is something really important. I really think that we're maybe we're missing um, people who, are, who aren't as curious about the world and people. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? I well, I don't know because I only know that I've yeah. always been curious. Yeah. But I can tell you that some of the skills, you know, the broadcasting piece for me, the journalism side comes a lot from listening. And, you know, a lot of people will see you talking mm. or they see these people talking. But so much of it is listening. The biggest piece of it is being able to listen. Mm-hmm. That is the most important skill. And not everybody can listen. Some people have to learn how to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a saying about, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Mm-hmm. So listen twice as often. <laughs> uh, but yeah, listening is, a, if you don't have the skill of listening, develop the skill of listening. You learn so much more. That is really good. Listening. Mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm underlining that and, and writing that down right there. That's something I'm going to tell our kids. Listening. Auntie Marie. I said, listening. I know your kids. They are good, curious. <laughs> they are good, curious kids. They are, they yes, like they are curious. But, you know, as we're talking, I'm just taking some notes for the family <laughs> dinner <laughs> later this week. Emery, you know, here you are, your host of CTV, your morning show. You're in a lot of spaces hosting and speaking and, you know, listening. I, I want to kind of shift and talk about, you know, leadership as a woman in media and leadership overall. You know, the uh-huh. Joe and Dr. Susan and Stephanie, who I interviewed, you know, before you, the challenges of being a woman in leadership and places of influence they've all talked about in managing emotions and all the things, right? Just want to kind of land on that for a little bit about your own thoughts of realities and challenges as a woman in, in leadership and, and in, in the media industry. Because I'm in it too. And there's I've, I have uh-huh. some challenges myself. And as, as you know, uh, a Filipino woman and who was young going into this world, you know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy yeah. at all. And here we are. So what, what are yeah. your thoughts? What would you what would you say your own realities you've experienced and maybe some of the challenges and how you've kind of navigated through that? I think being a woman in in broadcasting, in particular in news, um, you know, there's a lot, I recognize there's a lot of women who've gone before me and have fought some really heavy and hard battles. So Mm -hmm. any of the work I do now or any of the space I take now is directly a result of them carving that out. Um, I think for me, being young and being a woman of color meant that you really felt like you had to get it right. Mm -hmm. There was no space, no room for error. Um, you know, nobody ever said that, but that's what I felt like. I felt like I was being given this shot and this space, but that also didn't intimidate me because I just knew that you could just work hard and mm-hmm. you just had to keep working hard. Um, you know, pay equity, you know about this. This is my big bugaboo. Pay equity mm-hmm. for women across the board, whether it's broadcasting or not. It mm-hmm. just, we need to get there. Enough is enough. It's ridiculous. I'm raising two teenage daughters and it drives me bonkers to think that they will work and put in the same amount of effort and get less money simply based on gender yeah that's always been my that's always been my big issue because to me there's just there's no fairness in that mm-hmm. and in our western world we show respect through value so if you value and respect someone pay them that way mm-hmm. whether they're male or female mm-hmm. that's sort of my feeling on that um i think you know one thing i really observed is I think any woman who listens to this has had that experience if you've been in a meeting where, you know, 
you say one thing and a male colleague will say it and suddenly that's heard and yours wasn't. <laughs> that always happens. The speaking over, that happens. Um, and, and again, I don't think anyone's doing it intentionally. I also think there's a lot of societal piece to that. And, and I know that because when I came to a team once that was predominantly women, but there was a, a male co-anchor in the role, it still happened. Hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, we are all women. Why is this still going on? I thought, oh, because this is how we've been conditioned, that a male voice is more authoritative. Um Mood will affect things, right? Mm. If, a, if a male colleague is mad or frustrated, oftentimes you will see it's typically female colleagues who will try to make it better, try to appease that emotion in them. Mm -hmm. So it's important to watch for the balance on that. You know, are you are you part of that behavior or are you going to not be part of that behavior? Yeah, it's good. Would you say overall, though, I was it hard for you or was it I guess I say that because you know I've got young women who are interested in, in doing the work that we do and they always yes, ask like is it worth the fight the battle the scars the hard work to get there to do to do it and I always say yes but I'm always very honest about that it's not it's not always easy like a lot of yeah. things it's not always easy you you, yeah. you have to work hard well, through it. And we talk about that now. I remember being on a panel maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago uh, out at what was then Ryerson University, and they were talking about women in media. And, um, you know, one of the young women asked that question. I had young kids at the time. And so I said, look, I'm going to be really honest. It is very expensive to be a woman in broadcasting. Not only do you have to look and dress a certain way, expectations are different for men. You've heard me say this before. Women get paid half as much and, and judge twice as hard. Mm -hmm. Um that's a reality. It, hopefully, it's going to change. More networks have come on board to support that piece for women, but not enough. Um, Childcare is expensive. And mm -hmm. so if you are going to have a family, no, you got to factor that in as well. Um, you know, and I remember the moderator that kind of was like, well, we want to keep this positive. And I said, well, we are going to keep it positive, but we're also going to keep it very real. I can't yeah. in good conscience tell you it doesn't, it's, it's not expensive. <laughs> but if you love what you if you love what you do, you can be part of the change. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy now. I know you feel like this way too, Mel. I'm mm -hmm. happy to be in a place where we've not only made space for people, but we've held space for people. Yeah. Like it wasn't just enough to be in the room. You gotta hold the door open and you gotta make sure there's more than one chair at the table. And you know, a lot of times you know, so many companies have come on board with diversity and inclusion and they wanna give space, but they forget to give support too. Right. Like so you know, we've seen this in some mm -hmm. of even our journalism foundations where we've we've made space for these like young men and women of color to land in a newsroom and have their voice. But if you don't back them up when they're there and you don't make it okay for them to use their voice because they're still young. Mm -hmm. They don't have to know. They know some things that they want to say, but they're not experts. Allow for that, right? They're growing. They're developing. Don't put all the work on them. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think the other side too, Emery, is that as, as we get older, more mature and experience, as you're saying, you know, we're opening the door and making space for the next generation. There's still that part of me, I'll be honest, where I'm like, am I losing a little bit of the space that I have that I fought so hard to get? And I've, I've had talked to a couple of women in that in that space where it's like, you know, Joe Saxton earlier, she's like, you know, the, the challenge with women, it's like, you have fought your way, worked really hard to get here. And now you're confronted right. with, oh, now I've got to make room for the next generation and sometimes it's really hard to let go because you're you're so wanting what you've worked you know 20 25 years to get to and now yeah. you're like you know what you know and so there's legacy and mentoring but 
Do you find that? Like, I find I'm in this in this weird space now of, you know, championing and amplifying, you know, young women's voices. But still, there's a part of me that's like, I, ah, you know, I'm not getting as many speaking as I used to because there's some young women that are taking that now. You know, and I'm so I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of working through that emotionally right now. So I always knew that that was going to happen. Broadcasting okay. is yeah. just that is the you know I always said for female broadcasters they're like athletes. You have a window, um, and and that window's lengthening for the most part, which is good. Like you know we don't need to see, you know, we we can see gray hair on the air and it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know the world is not going to fall apart because <laughs> right. you know someone's yeah. decided to stop clearing hair. So. Uh, so I don't, I don't feel that as much. I always knew that was going to happen. I remember Maria Shriver years ago talking about how the day she realized that she left her program, she said, they're like, you know, broadcasters like Kleenex. You pull one out, there's another one ready mm-hmm. to go. Yeah. So I always knew that that would be something. But what I'm happy about is that there's not just one anymore, mm-hmm. right? There's not just one black woman on the air and one black man on the air. Now we understand that there can be room for a lot of people. Yeah. And so the more voices and the more representation, and I don't mean just skin color i'm also talking about religion and culture Mm -hmm. and gender all of it there's room for a lot more voices and reflection at the table and so having more of those people come into the space actually just makes everybody better that's Mm -hmm. how i feel yeah and i feel everybody just gets better that's encouraging to me and i think you know i'm working really hard with that i think there are just some moments where i was like oh you know i'm really glad i'm all about championing women to do that but i've also noticed this the change and that really encourages me because I think now you're right it's and I think it's legacy too like I can't believe there are moments I still think I'm in my late 20s <laughs> and and women are coming to me to be mentored and I'm like what I'm still looking for a mentor wait a second you know like I'm too young people to be your mentor should always be people should yeah. always be looking for a mentor always always have somebody to check in with there's always somebody wiser than you around ready to share what they have yeah. and so find those people yeah no it's good so your own journey is someone's listening and saying, okay, so how did Amory get to where she is? I know there could be schooling. Was it mentors? Was it hustle? Were you at the right place at the right time? How did you get to where you are today? What are sort of the key things that kind of like, you I know, feel like it's all of the above. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there's a scripture in the Bible that says God uses foolish things to confound the wise. And <laughs> I do feel like a foolish thing. Sometimes I, I I do not take that credit. I mean, I know I was ready. You know, you don't have to get ready if you're if you're always ready. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I was I'd just always be ready. My parents taught me that. And when opportunities came, you work hard at them, and um, you work not just hard, but you work harder at them. Mm-hmm. So the door may open, but it's your opportunity. It's your responsibility to walk through it and to to take up that challenge. So I, it doesn't mean I wasn't always scared. There were a mm-hmm. lot of times I was scared. I have a really great, you know, my husband, Daryl, I have a really great husband and partner who he sometimes saw me in places that I didn't see myself, especially starting out in my career. And so I really trusted mm-hmm. him when I was stepping out and he was always there too with encouragement. So I really appreciated that and my husband. Um, I do feel like sometimes it was just luck or God or mm-hmm. our combo of the both. Um, you know, I came along in the early 2000s when there was an awareness that TV needed to reflect the audience that was watching it. Mm-hmm. And so I was young enough um, that they didn't have to pay me in time, <laughs> but um, experienced enough that I wasn't going to make too big of a mistake. Um, you know, and, and if I'm being honest, culturally, you know, I am from a biracial home. My mom is Scottish, my dad's Sri Lankan. So I, I physically present diverse 
But in terms of language and education and religion, I wasn't that much different than the people doing the hiring. Hmm. So, you know, I think that's different now. And I think it needs to continue to be different. But at the time where we were at, because change is, is a process, at that point in the process, I was the right person at the right time. And then it's just, again, favor, hustle, mm-hmm. um, excellence, all of those things. It's good. Yeah. I, and I think that's important. I think it's, it. I've felt, like as if I think about my life and where, you know, where I am today, Emery, it's, there was a lot of people along the journey. Sure. I was there at the right time and the right place physically in the building where people saw me and then were, was, you know, were able to then say, hey, we should have her on the show hard work and doing jobs that I hated because I knew <laughs> that it would eventually lead me yes. to where I was like, who wants to transcribe 10 hours yeah, of interview of, of a host and they don't even know who you are and you're transcribing their notes or you're yep. chase producing and guesting and nobody even knows who you are. And you're all yeah. you're behind the scenes for years. I mean, that's what that's what happened with me. And then I got my break and the, my first break was doing streeters where my face wasn't even seen, but my hand was. So I made sure my nails were done so I could like exactly hold, right. So I could hold the mic. Excellent <laughs> in every opportunity. And you're right. It's the extra work. Listen, mm-hmm. there's a different um, mindset now when it comes to, you know, to internships and things like that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. It did not exist when you or I were mm-hmm. coming up. There were un- They were all unpaid. unpaid. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's good because those those positions could be exploitive at the time. But yeah, just do the things that people don't want to do and do the shifts people don't want to do because yeah. then you're ready. It's all about gaining experience. Yeah. Or for me, labeling in the day VHS tapes in a cold, damp, dark basement yeah. with no totally. glory. I didn't even have a phone yeah. down there and that was my no. job. And I had to think, yeah. this is going to lead me one day to yeah. something that you I want to do. You have to have the vision, right? You yeah. have to have the vision of right. what you want for yourself. And then it allows you to say, you know what? I will I will paint my own set. I will do whatever <laughs> yes. it takes in order to make that happen. Yes, that's good. And I think that's good for the next generation to hear that it, it takes a lot of these things. I think sometimes with where we are with social media and YouTube and you know influencers and YouTube stars, it, it feels like you can just do something overnight, get a viral video and you're in. And that does yeah. happen, but it doesn't happen to everybody. And right, and even content people. creators will tell you, and influencers will tell you, because you you speak with them as well now. It's a lot. Content creation it's is a lot. lot of work. Yes, so it's just not as easy as it seems, and it's just work we don't get to see. But man, like trying the pressure is high in the in that new media. Yeah, so it's still work. It's good. Okay, so we're hearing you talk about you know how you got to where you are, the work. And and as you were in that, you know, conversation with young people and you're being honest about, you know, the challenges of being in broadcast. I think the question then is, and I think it's for me too, and, you know, it's, it's a friend conversation as well, but how do you manage the Emory in leading yourself in your professional life, personal life? Like, how do you balance, you know, all the things? Because I think that's part of like, you know, being yeah. a woman in this work and being a woman with a family and having a partner and husband and community and friends, like it's a lot. And a lot of uh-huh. women say to me, like, I can't do it, w- do it all well. When does yeah. it give? Is it you seasons? Can't. What are your thoughts on that? So, uh, so my, I was really fortunate. I had a, a mom who worked in a mom who had a career, which was very unusual in the seventies and the eighties. 
And she did a lot of leadership teaching. And one of the things she taught me when I was 12 was to make a mission statement, which sounds like a very, that was how my mom communicated that I'm sure to give me leadership to mission statement. Yeah. So at 12, I had a mission statement. That's amazing. What I wanted. And, or you have a vision. Like I had a visual picture in my life of what I wanted it to look like. And then it's just having that focus. It helps you to, to figure out your, your decisions, mm-hmm. right? If it doesn't lead to this, then it's not something that we do. Um, you know, how do I balance it? If you've ever watched anybody try to balance anything, it's a constant recalibration, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you put more time somewhere else. Sometimes you don't. Having a values list is really important. I guess what I'm trying to say is knowing yourself. That's what good. are your values? Like, what are your key and core values? Because it may not influence the, the job that you take, but it influences how you act in that job. Um, like, who you are is so important. Know what your values are. That's just so important. Um, in your faith, if you're a person of faith and in your faith life, know what are your key and core values and your messages. And, and, um, yeah, like be really clear, be really honest about that and be willing to, to be, to have that change. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Cause I just have a follow up question for that. So, yeah. And, and have a values list. Like there's been more than one occasion where, you know, I've made, I've been fortunate enough to, to have key anchor roles at all three major networks in this country. And whenever I've made a decision, and it was always a hard decision to change networks, it all came down to a values list. What are my values? What are important hmm. to me at this stage, phase and stage of my life? Does taking this opportunity get me there eventually? And that really helps. But, you know, do the homework. Do those lists. It's yeah. important. It, 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 you may not need it every day, but boy, in the crisis, and you've got that at hand, worth it. You know, I was going to say this as the follow-up is that, you know, throughout this series, but also throughout, you know, my show, there's always this, you know, at the very end, it's always, okay, now what are you going to do? Like, you can't just live life. And I say this to, you know, young women all the time. You can't just live life and expect things are going to happen if you don't do the work. Like, if you don't do a values list, if you actually don't sit down and intentionally do some work on yourself or where you want to go. And again, life is not going to always be what you what you want or how it's going to end up but no I, I, Mel I worked years in jobs at one network in particular where I would I would be in my car on the DVP crying on the way home mm. just out of frustration and on the way in having to like gear myself up I would crank Gwen Stefani Hollaback Girl and I'd play it over and over in the seat <laughs> oh, from my car that thanks, was my pop-up Glenn. music <laughs> yeah. yeah because you know it, it isn't always easy mm-hmm. and so you know, and I'm a person of faith. And so I would spend time in prayer and, and, or ask, you know, ask God for protection and covering and wisdom and, and clarity and help me to see things. And, and that's how you get through that stuff. So it's not always going to feel great. Mm-hmm. It's knowing when to stay and when to go. And that only, you know, that's between you and you and God. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, that's right. And I think that's it. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy, but the encouragement is, and I say this, you know, to a lot of young women, but you have to be intentional. Like, I like this values list, make some lists, be thoughtful. What's your mission statement? How are you going to make changes? What are the, the people or the things you're going to do? Uh, because I think what frustrates me is when I meet with people and the problems are happening all the time and, and every year and all the things. And they're like, well, we're not doing anything. We just, you know, sort of like we're kind of going with the waves of circumstance and, and what you know, what life presents to us. And and there's no sort of like being empowered to have agency to, to make decisions for yourself. 
right? To make those decisions. And I think especially as a woman to, yes, to take some control and say, I can, I can make these decisions and, and, you know, live this life that, that I want and what I need and values and speak up. And so you're braver at that than I am. I have watched you make some really big moves in your life and in your career. And I was, (laughs) I am way more cautious than you, but I, I, I always watch in awe because I'm like, well, it just, she just knows and she just goes for it. I, I admire that about you a lot. Oh, I sit and think for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the top two tips now. I think this is going to be, you oh. know, uh, cool to hear what you have to say uh, on different tips. So let's start with, because we're friends, I like this one. Let's start with this one. Top okay. two tips on how to be a good friend or find good friends. Because you have that. You have a really incredible community in, in all different uh, places. You can talk about that. But what would you be your top two tips? Because I think friendship is one of the key things that has helped me in my life journey. A community Absolutely. is the thing that's helped me. And so there's a lot of people, Amory, that have written me over the years. And one of the biggest things we I hear is that, Melinda, where can I find good friends? Melinda, where can I find a good community? And and it kind of shocks me because you know I have you know lots of really good friends, but no, I didn't. I didn't know. I know this sounds strange, but that so many women don't, uh, because that's been the context of my life. I think it's been because of growing up as a missionary family, and my parents had to find uh, friends in the Philippines when their family was in uh, Canada. So we, ha- I saw that modeled very strongly and effectively as my parents, you know, created a community wherever they were. But your tips for the women that are really struggling uh, without friendships. Find a friend like Melinda who has a lot of friends. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, No, I would say, so my friendships that I have, I keep for a really long time. Mel, you know this about me. Mm -hmm. I'm still friends with my best friend from summer camp at eight, that we were eight years old when we met. And my friends from my church youth group from when I was 14, we are all still friends. Um, So I keep mine for a really long time. But, um, you know, so I it, I think what's important to me in friendship, I'm a very loyal person, so that's very important to me. But I'm also very careful. I haven't thought about this a lot, but I'm very careful with, um, I'm really careful with, with words and positivity. I do not do well when people want to sit around and gripe and complain. It's not my pool. Like I can't, mm-hmm. my mom is very positive. My dad is very positive. I can't be in that presence. So find people who who speak like you, who think like you, who who, who act like you. Um, that's why you know I did, I've never hung out a lot with people that I work with because I find inevitably people fall into that um, space of you know some people find it commiserating or or you okay. know finding support and that can happen too. But I just I never wanted to be there. I just we were going to sit around and complain about things. That's not my space. So I I was lucky to be able to find people in spaces where I I like to be, whether it be a church youth group or you know young married people at my church um i also am very close with my sisters mm-hmm. and that really helps a lot too i have great i have a great older sister dr naomi Talene, and my younger sister becky bennett who are they're they're my life people mm-hmm. even if i lost every single friend on the planet and i had those two i'd be okay yeah. it's so good and i Sorry, i'm not giving you any answers to questions. <laughs> okay two things you said um i would and intentionality mm-hmm. i think being intentional about your friendships like having people over at your house mm-hmm. or meeting with them regularly and it's hard and the busier you get the harder it is but man it is so worth mm-hmm. it to get it in the calendar and just do it you're really good at that mouth thank goodness 
thank goodness, because I feel like <laughs> our friends wouldn't see each other for a year if you weren't around. That's good intentionality. Yeah. And I love it. The people that like think like you act like you, the positive, positive people. I think that's uh, actually really important because I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot interesting conversations around me about, you know, just making decisions about doing an inventory of friendships and relationships yeah. that could be toxic or could be, you know, not life giving. And then what, what do you do with those? And, you know, positivity, uh, encouragement, loyalty are the big things that people are saying, you know, this is what we need. I mean, that's what I need. You know, more and yeah. more, even though I have a lot of friends, I do have a smaller pool of friends that really know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like really know yes. what's going on with like me and Chris or the yeah, kids that's or myself. Really, you know what? That's a really good point. It's fine. I think with friendship too is that you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Yeah. Right? So you, again, don't do that with everybody. You have to find the people that you know that you can trust. But being honest in your friendships, man, that builds intimacy and closeness and safety. Mm-hmm. It's good. Okay, so you did two. Maybe I think you did three. I think you did three tips. Yeah, that's good. Well, if you add in the one about having I'm you as a friend, then yes, that's right. That would be five tips. Really okay. great tips. <laughs> I'm such a good summarizer. Five great tips. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one. Top two tips on best habits to cultivate to be a great leader. This question comes up a lot for next gen. What are the things I need to do to really become a great leader? But I think, well, great leader, great person. Like, you know, I think there's yeah. some where they're like, I want to be a great leader, but really it's more of like being a great person that, that, yes. that I've influenced and, and I can influence and, you know, that kind of thing. So what would... Yes. I'm glad that you said that because okay. not everybody's in a leadership position, yeah. right? They don't, you don't land there. You work your way to there. Yeah. So this is the number one thing that I tell people, at least in my industry, is set your own table. Mm. Too many times people want what other people have. And when you start focusing on what other people have and not and 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 then saying, I don't have that, you are not focusing on the right mm. things. Set your own table. Know your skills. Get better at them. Good. Promote them. Put them out there. Don't waste your energy worrying about what other people have that you don't. It is such a short road and there's no give at the end of it. That's good. It's really good. Uh, what's another one I would say? Um, Do you have a few more tips than just two? Yeah, I might. Um, so okay. the other one I would say is uh, um, everybody likes acknowledgement. Everybody needs encouragement. Be really, let that flow really a lot from you. And I would say, I, I think that, um, I, th I know that people would say that that I work with, that I'm very intentional about telling people when they've done a good job. And I don't just tell them, I tell up. There because... But I think that's really important to me. That's yeah. how you grow other people, right? Okay. Is is you know I'm partly where I am today is because other people spoke about me in spaces where I wasn't. So do that for other people, right? Um, you know when, when our team has a really big win, I CC all the people that need to know at the top because it's not just important they hear that from me. It's important that people above know that too. That's really um, good. That's good. What else would I say? I like that one a lot. Yeah. This was really great advice that was given to me very early in my career, and I really hung on to it. Which is, it's not what it's not what's thrown at you; it's how you handle it. Hmm. You're not always going to get a great assignment. You're not always going to like the position that you have at the moment. What are you doing with it? Are you going to stand there and complain? Are you going to drop it? Or are you just going to excel? Be you big in that space, whatever space it no. is, whatever the circumstances. You be you big. 
I love that be you big. Do you have that on like a yeah. a sign in your? So you know who told me that? So there there are two people. That's a combo thing. So the you know it's not with Stern at you. It's how you handle it. Was by a broadcaster named Jim Taddy who has long since retired. He was a sportscaster actually at Global for many years. He told me that. Uh, and then it was Lisa LaFlam who told me, be you big. No, no matter where you are, no matter how frustrated you are, in whatever circumstance you're in, whether you love it or you hate it, you be you big. I love that. Now, uh-huh. do you have that up I on your my wall? Kid that all the do time. you have that on your wall? Do- Mel, you-, you know I am not a word kind of person. <laughs> so, no, oh. it's in my heart. Okay. We might have to have that. Maybe I'll have to do t shirts. I'll have little magnets, pins, everything. You're great with the branding. <laughs> yes. All right. No, that's really great. And that was like three or four, which was great tips. Uh, top two tips. You you kind of talked about this a little earlier in the conversation, but top two tips on getting into and staying in media broadcasting journalism for those who are in it, who want to go into to it, who are content creators, who want to be really good storytellers. Top two tips. Uh, work hard. Like, <laughs> yes. Work hard and work harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I can't underscore that enough. It stands out so much. Uh, ask questions. Don't be worried about it. Like, please ask questions. Introduce yourself to people and ask questions. It's good. Um, because it shows that you're... Sometimes people are intimidating to ask questions because they think people think they don't know what they're doing hmm. and then they won't trust them. But the opposite. If somebody comes and says, hey, how do I do this? Or I'm not sure. That says to me, you're curious, you're interested, and you want to do well. Ask questions. Um, yeah. Ask so questions, work hard, work harder. Love it. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, okay. This isn't a top two tip, but, and you, and again, you alluded to this earlier, but how would you say your faith has helped you in work relationships and family? You, you talked about, you know, prayer and sometimes just like, uh-huh. God help me. But how has your faith helped you as you've kind of navigated into where you are? Well, it goes back to having values. My faith, faith helps to shape my values. Mm-hmm. Um, my faith, um, instructs me on how to um, treat other people. It is very clearly written out how to treat other people, yes. how other people should be viewed yes. and, and spoken to and treated. So it, it's a guiding principle for me that way. Um, also, you know, some people will talk about, you know, news is hard and news can be hard. There can be a lot of really negative news. How do you deal with that? Um, I I pray for people who impact me. If I've done a story sure. and I remember years ago interviewing a family who lost a teen by suicide, and I remember it was a it was hard, and you you pray for those people when those when there are parents of a school shooting. I go home and I hug my kids, mm-hmm. and I pray for those families, and I'm grateful for the things that I have. Um, yeah, I would say that that it just awesome. really keeps me grounded. Yeah, it reminds me of who I am and where I've come from, and and you know I I know this scripture's in your kitchen because I've seen it. So this these are the words I would put on my wall, which is the scripture, which is. Um, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Mm-hmm. I think they're so key. Do justly tells you how to treat other people, how to look at situations that feel unfair, unbalanced. Um, love mercy, mm-hmm. very clear. If you can err on the side of anything, err on the side of kindness, err on the side of mercy. Yeah. Um, and walk humbly. Listen, we are all humble beings on this earth. Mm-hmm. It does not, and it can all, you know, if you think, you're all that in a bag of chips. It can go away like that. We see it over and over again. And yeah. the world loves, they you know they love a star, but they love a shooting, F- shooting star, falling, falling star. star. Even better, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. I love that. Finally, Amory, anything that you want to say to the young woman who, starting off her career or struggling today, has no idea her values, mission, but just feels a little lost on 
where am I going? What am I doing? Am I good enough? Am I worthy uh, enough uh, to to do this work? Or I don't, you know, there's so many. There, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like clumping everything into this this young girl. <laughs> but what's your encouragement to a young girl today who's trying to navigate life and it just feels overwhelming and hard? I can think of some of the young women that I've met recently or that I even work with now. And the first one, first thing I would say to them, I love you. Keep going. Hey. Do it. Keep going. Um, external validation feels really good. You cannot build your life and career on it. You have to know within yourself who you are, what you're about, what your value is. That if if you are waiting to have all of that manifested through other people, well, you're in for a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, know who that is. Do the work to find out who that is within yourself. And then find then find a champion. Then find a champion who will say to you, hmm. I see this in you. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be where I am without people who champion me. Lorna Duick brought me out to Ontario from Alberta. Um, you know, I've had men and women both be really strong champions of me in, in my career. But find those people and they'll be honest with you. They'll say, you know, perhaps you want to focus more on this, maybe do less of that. But find that person if you can. It's fantastic. And keep going. Keep like, going. I just would encourage yes. them, keep going, keep doing it. Don't it's give hard. Up. It's not supposed to be easy yeah. all the time. And the thing, too, is that in those hard spaces and singing Hollaback Girl and me in the fetal position and crying, there's something about mm-hmm. it just builds into strength and perseverance and then an empathy for women that you meet along the way or people that are struggling or have struggled or are struggling. Mm-hmm. I have found that like going through all yes. the difficult things I've I've had to face in my life when I'm interviewing or sharing a story there's a lot more empathy and understanding because I've gone through it you know so I I never think of it as a waste anything that's been difficult that's happened to me those those years were difficult but I I always think of people I don't focus on how difficult they were I focus on the lessons I learned from that time Mm -hmm. which was I knew when I left that place I knew who I was I knew what I would and would not stand for I knew how I wanted to be treated how I wanted to treat others um, I got some real clarity in those hard moments. So they are not a waste. They are not there to to beat you down. Just they're hard. Find people to help you through them. The lessons will be there. Incredible. Well, Anne-Marie Medawake, that was so fun. I mean, I could talk to you for days and hours, which we do. And which we do. It, but <laughs> I love this because I just love how this was a perfect way to end our SOS Summer Strength Series. There were so many tools that you've given to us and reminders to strengthen us in areas of leadership and friendship and in media, so many good things in our faith. And so I guess I have to say this, I am super proud of you. I am so proud of where you are, but more importantly, who you are. And for all the things that you've gone through, just to to sit in front of you and and to see, you know, you and, and the influence and, you know, how you've set your table and the space that you take up in, in, the media landscaping in Canada is is amazing. So, so proud of you. And thank you. Thank you so much for your leadership, for your storytelling, for your curiosity that, you know, when you when you share things to, it, to Canada, you know, we're listening and we're learning. So, so appreciate that. And so, so appreciate your friendship to me. So thank you so much for Thanks, joining Mel. us. Well, right back at you. <laughs> well, and thank you to, to our See Her Love community for joining us today. And I hope you were strengthened, that you feel more equipped to lead with courage and strength and resolve, and that you have more tools to help you along in this journey. 
And thanks for joining also for our SOS Summer Strength Series. Uh, I so appreciate that you kind of hung out with us for all four weeks, and I hope we'll do it again next summer. And as you create content and you do interviews and you listen and you learn and you speak and you host and you read and you set your table and you make value statements and you walk humbly and do justly, know that you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.